Hey everyone, this is Dr. Nick Hoffman at the Marist School. Welcome to Tales from the Social Studies Department, the podcast where the students tell you the stories that they wish were on the curriculum. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Nick Hoffman at the Marist School. Welcome to Tales from the Social Studies Department, the podcast where the students tell you the stories that they wish were on the curriculum. Hi, my name is Angela Papadakis, and today I'm going to be talking about the history of women in relation to the sport of swimming. Now, if you guys don't know, I am a huge swimmer. I've been swimming ever since I could learn how to literally breathe. Like my mom had me at swim lessons so young that I learned that I loved it so much. I am now a club swimmer. I'm in the national group at Swim Atlanta, and I also swim for Marist. I'm going to be a varsity captain as well. So this is a topic that is very important to me because I'm seeing a lot of history change in the present. Um, and there's a lot of history in the past that affects um, how I swim now and how everyone else swims now and how um, new technologies and new suits and all that stuff that we'll get into later has like really drastically impacted the sport of swimming. Um, so yeah, let's get right into it. So females were just going, were not allowed to swim in, let's say, 1912. And 1912 was also an Olympic year. So this was when female swimming was actually first introduced, was the 1912 Olympics, where it was broadcasted, everyone saw it, everyone was like, oh, okay, females can now be swimmers. Um, however, this was just like females all like over the world. But however, female American women were actually not allowed to participate in swimming up until the Olympics in 1912 in Belgium. So that's super interesting. So Americans were the last with equality and were the last with everything, which was really interesting. So, however, what is actually super fascinating about this is now that female swimmers are used to just wearing the normal swimsuits for practice every day that are full swimsuits, which you can get from Speedo, Tier and Arena and many other famous swim companies. I use these. They're great swimsuits. They're great for practice. Um, however, during this transition of when women were being noticed and recognized and allowed to swim, um, females started having the ability to swim and compete. So there was much more importance um, over the set rules about what these females should be allowed to wear. So like no one, they weren't supposed to show much clothes, like no skin at all. And women were going through rough times trying to figure out what they should wear. This affected their training, a bunch of stuff. And speaking of effects of training, like women were going through rough times, like trying to train with this clothing. And I mean, think of how hard it is to swim if you've ever jumped in a pool with clothes on or with sneakers on. Like that's kind of how it felt for these women. So their training was being impacted and it was getting constantly slowed down. So also, like, like speaking of on the impact of training, like, for all my ladies out there, like, um, the creation of tampons, like, I know this may get, like, a little weird that we're talking about this for swimming, but this is actually, like, something that is really important to females, like, especially female athletes, like, you all know, like, you all know about this, like, so shout out to all my female athletes out there, like, the creation of tampons was like actually created specifically because of women who started to swim because like when you have your your cycle when you have your period it's just part of a woman's life like it impacts like a week and for some maybe a week or two of an entire month 
So like it happens every month, happens for at least minimum a week of a month. And you're having to deal with this and you can't train if you can't swim. Like swimming is the one of the most like hard things that a woman could possibly do on their period because it's just, y'all know. And so women were struggling with training because of A, they had to wear a bunch of clothing, like imagine having to swim in a dress. And B, they had to take about a good amount of time off a month because they could not swim while they were on their periods. So I don't know if I know this, but I feel like a bunch of y'all know swimming is a very, very hardworking sport that takes a lot of time, a lot of dedication, and a lot of sacrifice. So for these women to have to miss a good chunk of each month off was very difficult and extremely negative. So it was not until 20 years after the Olympics, where 1920 were the, or 1912 were the first females were allowed to compete at, that women had the ability and opportunity to start swimming and training year-round because of the invention of tampons that had come out. So for all you who use tampons and love tampons, like shout out to thank those women who had to put up with all this and fight for that because they would not be here if these women, these women swimmers had not expressed their frustrations about training. So going back to like what I was talking about earlier about the um, – the clothing that they had to wear, the suits that they had to wear, and how much that's changed. So going back to the swimsuits aspect and what these women were allowed to wear, it has greatly changed and evolved to what these women are not allowed to wear during practices and during meets and during competitions. It's greatly evolved to what they're allowed to wear today. Like, you see it all the time. Like, this is cheating. This is wrong. This is unfair. This They're getting a, an extra edge in what they're wearing. But um, it has evolved from, but going back, it has evolved from women being able to wear full-length coverage wool dresses to what we wear nowadays, which is a normal one-piece that we wear today. That is comfortable, that it's open, it's showing a lot of skin, but it's a great practice suit. And however, for racing today, women wear the knee skin racing suits that, of course, as you can tell by the name, it's coming down to the knee. It's great material. It helps you get a little bit of edge in the water. But back then in the Olympics, way back then, the athletes were allowed to wear full body swimsuits where the leather material will go all the way down to the ankle. Um, however, because these suits made the swimmers, both male and female, go insanely fast, they did away with them. And they just let the women continue to wear the normal ones that come down to the knee and the men just wear from the torso down. And like I swim with an Olympian who's been to so many, like she's been to, I think she's been to Athens, she's been to um, Beijing, I mean, she spent all of them, and she was telling me how hard it was for these women to get these full body suits up. I mean, the knee skins are hard to get up, just from my personal experience. So just imagine having to put on an entire leather suit in five to ten minutes before your race starts. So, I mean, they did get, I mean, people were getting, everyone was, everyone, American swimmer got a world record that year, so that's what they did away with them. But going back into our topic, in relation to the events in which, like, male and female swimmers are allowed to compete in the Olympic Games, like, just shifting gears about equality, they became equal in the most recent Olympics, actually. 2021 was when equality was reached between male and females. Because in Tokyo last year, what made women and men's sports equal was the fact that this was the first time ever women were allowed to compete and race in the 1,500-meter freestyle event. So the 1,500-meter freestyle event wasn't an event way back when, but it started to become an event, but it was only for men. And women were like, hey, we can we can swim this too. We swim way more than 1,500 meters in practice. So 
Um, this has only been a men's event for a super long time until Tokyo and FINA allowed this to be included in the women's lineup. So it wasn't always in the women's lineup. This is the first time men and women swimming had ever been equal. And so the woman who made history in this event was, of course, Katie Ledecky. She's unstoppable. She wins, I think, every long-distance event race like a year. So wasn't a surprise that she won it. But going into um, shifting gears to another history that about women's swimming that is being made today, and it's I've seen it with my own two eyes, which I can say that I've kind of grown up with this changing and this controversy and kind of what's going on was that this does affect women and this does affect history now. It may not be have been 50 years ago, but it's affecting our 21st century, like 2022, like our year at this moment as we speak. So this does kind of have to do with equality as well. But so recently there's a swimmer named Leah Thomas and Leah Thomas is a transgender swimmer. She was previously a male and decided that she wanted to make her transition to be a female during the COVID pandemic. So that is saying that she is a college swimmer, collegiate athlete. However, she swam on the Penn State men's swim and dive team for three years prior before she decided she wanted to make her transition. So she had been a part of the men's team. No one really saw it coming. Everyone was kind of like, oh, wow, okay, we're back from the pandemic. She is now a female. So that was kind of a big shift that the Penn State swim team kind of had to make an adjustment. The coaches, the teammates in the locker room, like that was a huge adjustment for everyone on the team. So as a result of this like transition that she decided to make, this caused huge debate, as I'm sure you guys know. With the world we live in, everything has to have a debate. Everything, every little thing like this has caused much debate, which makes sense. And many issues, it's called many issues over the entire country and the world this year, especially with all these female athletes that are going to have to race her at Worlds, at Olympic trials, even just at World Championship trials that we had a couple weeks, like a couple, like a month ago. Like this is huge stuff. And many female swimmers have felt a certain type of injustice in a way because they feel like that is wrong, that they have to race against a biological male during their events. They're like nothing against her transition. I don't like we want to swimming is inclusive to all. But when it comes to affects people's, I guess, making that team or making that final or this difference between first and second it's kind of hard for a female to be like, okay, well, there's nothing she can do that she was already born a male, which gives her a little bit of leverage because men and women's sports have always been separated since I think practically the beginning of time because men just have a God-given biological, bigger, stronger, muscular advantage than women do. And that's just life. But it makes sense that like, You need to have good certain physical abilities and strength, especially for swimming. I mean, men just have that leap, that jump, that women have to work extra hard for to try and even get close. I mean, they're just insane. So, like, obviously, they contain advantages when it comes to sports. So just to prove that point, Leah Thomas went from being in the mid-400s ranked for swimming in males into the number one female. So um, this is what caught that. Basically, what caused much uproar, uh, they made female athletes and their parents really upset, but this caused riots. And I've witnessed some of these riots. I practiced at Georgia Tech every single day, and Georgia Tech is a great Olympic facility. Um, And that's where a bunch of big meets are held, NCAAs, SECs, um, 
Olympic, the Olympics were held there like a while back. And I know I mentioned I'm a big competitive swimmer. So this year was a big year, especially for women in women's sports, because we were all wondering what's going to change. Is something going to change? Is something going to happen? Like, and meat security is already drastically changing at meets that Leah Thomas was there. Like I walked into practice and there were security guards everywhere, metal detectors, protesters outside. And I had to get my entire bag searched. They made me take everything out. I had to walk through two metal detectors because Leah Thomas was in the building. Like that stuff is scary. And like people need to understand that like there's no need to like just try and threaten someone with their life for this. There's better ways to try and communicate these frustrations. So I went and asked my coach, I'm like, what's wrong? Why is the security so bad for meets like this? Because there's never been security like this, even for Olympic trials. Like, you've never had to walk through two metal detectors. He's like, because Leah Thomas is receiving death threats. I'm like, that is just awful. And I walk outside, I'm leaving practice, and it's there's signs holding up saying, save women's sports, which this stuff is, it's, it's scary and it's, and it's changed. But what we have to learn is like how the NCAA needs to make this equal and to include people without discluding and without hurting other people and affecting their swimming. But this is history that is going to be talked about 15 years from now. And who knows what's going to have changed in the NCAA or in the sport of swimming 15 years from now. Who knows what type of athletes are going to, if there's going to be transgender athletes with us all the time, or if there's going to be separate heat for them. Like, who knows? But this is just how swimming and women and everything is just constantly changing every single day. Um, but going to skip off of that. Going to skip off of that. Going into um, African-Americans. And this is really interesting because um, in 2016 in Rio, the first ever African-American woman to win an event, win gold, was in 2016. The first African-American woman ever. And she also appears to be the first African-American female ever to even qualify for the Olympics and the 50-meter free and the 100-meter free. So this is just history that is just constantly, that's just constantly being made, whether it's African-American women, whether it's just regular American women, whether it's just women in general, and or if it's transgender women. And it's just like constantly stuff is changing and history is being made like she made history and she states that like swimming in that event and that gold medal wasn't just for her it was for the entire african-american women community because everything's just been harder for women since the beginning of time and been harder for african-americans since the beginning of time so bringing that all into the sport of swimming is just so cool so I hope you guys learned something from this podcast. I really enjoyed talking about it. It's something that's very important to me and something that I'm very passionate about. Um, so swimming is such a great sport. Swimming is such a fun sport. Swimming is such a sport for everyone, all ages, all races, all sizes, all genders can participate. But it's just finding that common unity with everyone to say, hey, let's make this fair. Let's start this up. Let's include these people. And if no one ever said that, women wouldn't be swimming today. Nothing would have changed today. So 
we need to remember that and be like, hey, let's include these people because that's the society we need to live in. Everyone gets hurt. Everyone gets jealous. Everyone gets excluded. But if we find new ways to include people like we did with these women, we create a separate heat for women. We can create a separate heat for anybody. So, um, yeah. So thank you for listening. This is something that's super important to me and I hope you guys learned something. Tales from the Social Studies Department is a podcast of the Marist Podcasting Experiment and executive produced by Dr. Nick Hoffman. All views expressed herein are the views of the podcaster and not of Marist School, Dr. Hoffman, or the Social Studies Department at Marist School. Thank you. Tales from the Social Studies Department is a podcast of the Marist Podcasting Experiment and executive produced by Dr. Nick Hoffman. All views expressed herein are the views of the podcaster and not of Marist School, Dr. Hoffman, or the Social Studies Department at Marist School. Thank you.